You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Another Monday in Illini fans. I know the su- the snow is all out there, but the sun is out today, and it's a sunny week after Illinois basketball gets its big win over Iowa. We'll chat about that. Uh, but of course, it's Monday, so it's Mondays with Mike. And Mike, I can't get, wait to get your thoughts about how the mood has changed with, with two wins in a row, hoping for a third at Indiana. Um, but uh, it is my birthday today, but I think it's a bigger day for you because you just shared some some sweet news, man. And it's we're starting to feel a little bit of progress here, some numbers declining. I'm trying not to get you know too worried about variants and all of that yet, uh, but uh, you got some big news this week. I'm getting the Pfizer vaccine. First yeah. thing, happy birthday. Thank You're 34 you. as well now, right? The, the Shaq birthday. I, some people are saying Walter Payton. I I didn't get to see Walter play, sadly. Yeah, I've heard it. I, I'm sure he was a great guy, but anything about the 85 Bears, I'm kind of done <laughs> yes. with. But happy 34th. And then, yeah, I'm going in about an hour to get my Pfizer vaccine and, and getting closer. So that's exciting. And uh, lucky to be in the profession I am just because, you know, 34 years old, I don't necessarily need it. Maybe, but you're a teacher, uh, though, Mike. You guys should be having these. Like, you should have access to these, and let's get kids back in schools and get you guys safe. So, no, you should not apologize for it. You guys are the frontline workers, and you know I think it's best if our kids are in schools if they can do that safely. And this is a part of making that safe. So, uh, you should not feel any guilt there. (laughs) Hey, okay, appreciate that. We're getting the kids in a few weeks too, so the timing's good, and uh, that is one one big thing to check off the list and yeah you couple that with i mean this is kind of an awkward transition but you couple that with (laughs) yeah what happened friday night and i know that it might sound ridiculous to pinpoint one win and say that it really does kind of change the temperature of of the fan base and how you feel about them but i think that it was such a show me game on friday night and i came into it with a guarded optimism but once it was over and you had the win that guarded optimism quickly changed into, well, wait a second, we might be as good as we thought they could be. And in a weird way, the path to get to this point with a guy like Jacob Grandison becoming such a key contributor and someone I'm really excited about, and to see Trent Frazier have the game of his life, I think it bodes well, not just for that one game, but I think for the stretch of games coming up. Well, I think Carp, and we'll, we'll dive into all of this. I really want to get into this Iowa thing because I think it's so fun. I, I just yeah. think this thing is, is so much fun. Um, but that was the key, right? Like we know Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. Those guys are awesome. They might be, I mean, take out the Gonzaga guys, right? And Baylor's team, those two teams. Take out those two teams. That's probably the best duo outside of those two teams. And why you think you have a floor of top five in Big Ten and you can get to the Sweet 16 just with those two guys. But it's, it's that supporting cast that really needs to step up. And that's where our questions are. And to see Trent Frazier finally have like a... You know, we know how good defensively he is. Like we, Brad Underwood doesn't have to tell us that anymore. We saw it with Jordan Bohannon. We see it every week uh, where, where Trent can just bother guys and, and help shut guys down. But he's an unbelievable player, like great player, college basketball player, 
if he can score 15 or more every once in a while. Um, you don't need it every night, but at some point you need a consistent third option. And that's the question. Because Adam Miller and Andre Corbello, they're freshmen. They're probably going to be up and down. To have a couple guys who can consistently bring something like that, and I don't know if Jacob Grandison is going to give you a double-double every night, but I do think he can make winning plays for you and give you a different look at the four. So to have two veterans step up like that, especially with, you know, DeMonte looks a little injured, looks like he's coming back down to earth with his offense. Georgie, he's always a roll of the dice, and it can be positive. He did have some positive defensive possessions, but also had some really bad offensive possessions. I think Trent and Grandison are those two guys that you want to just get some consistent, sustained performances from. So to see those guys, and Trent's had some solid performances, and Grandison's been building up to this, I think that's really encouraging for where they're going. It is. I think with Grandison, he's not going to get a double-double every night, but I think he can be an 8-6 and six kind of guy. And at the 4, to add that length to it, a decent athleticism, maybe not the most athletic guy out there, but he's got enough of it. And I look at, back at that game on Friday night and think, if there was one key play in the entire 40-minute stretch, of which there were many, but the one that was especially important was when he hit the three after Iowa hit a three to take the lead. And if you miss that three and Iowa has the ball, one point lead, I know that you can overcome that with two minutes to go. The complexion of those last two minutes changes. It, mm-hmm. it essentially negated what was a huge shot for Iowa. And he was open. He got it. He took it to see that confidence uh, from someone that about a month ago we made a joke on the podcast, I kind of feel a little bit bad about it, but we joked how Grandison was really good at standing and running because he didn't really do anything on the stat sheet. He was just a guy on the court. Well, now he's doing things and he's doing it efficiently. And then you add in big plays to boot. So I think with the starting five, when you see Trent elevate his game like that, when you feel better at the four spot, it makes it okay for the freshman, like you said, to have the inconsistency or for Georgie to be the up and down Georgie we've seen the last couple of years. But Carp, you're not wrong. I mean, even Underwood was talking about how there are moments you look back on in the season and you remember like that that's a turning point or that that's like the good point, like where it turned around. And you know, I don't know if last year that was I don't know what Michigan, you know, getting a win on the road with that kind of atmosphere and you kind of solidifying yourself um as hey, this is real, like this team's turned the corner. You know, last year we saw a team that was okay at the time all of a sudden they had this great january and you're like okay this team's this team's legit then they lose four in a row but then they'll get that penn state win that penn state win was the huge turnaround right uh and then iowa to end it you felt like okay this team's really dangerous going into march and of course we didn't get that but i think this is you know we've had nice moments the purdue win looks good now the indiana win i think is a good win that you have uh at home you've had some solid wins a lot of quad one wins i think you're up to five now but you didn't have that marquee win, right? And this is that marquee win over a team that could make the Final Four, could uh, you know, come back and potentially win the Big Ten. I think Iowa's good enough to potentially do that. But now you look at this, Carp, and Illinois is number 12 in the country because they deserve to be 12 in the country. Um, they, they have a bunch of quad one wins, I think tied for most uh, in the NCAA. I'm looking at this team ranking site right now. They say their most likely seed is a number two seed. Most <laughs> people have them as a three, at worst a four. Um, and now you're a game and a half back of Michigan. You got Michigan in what a week that you get to play. So you're right back in to where you thought. Maybe you're not exactly where you wanted to be record-wise. You want one or two more wins. Maybe you want one more Big Ten win, not lose to Maryland. But everything you hoped you were playing for after that win, you're still playing for. Uh, turning into February. Yeah, it kind of erases the stink. 
from that Maryland game and to an extent that Ohio State game, even though I think in Ken Palm, Ohio State's 10th and they're legit. Oh, they're, when they aren't playing Purdue, they look really good. Uh, but yeah, the Purdue one's looking better. The Minnesota one's looking all right. You said it right there where I think they had the most quad one wins of any team, or at least they're tied with that in the nation. And I didn't really expect that just because it hadn't felt like there'd been a marquee win. And I guess in many ways there hadn't been. The Iowa game in a vacuum is huge because of the rivalry. And you mentioned that earlier, how much fun these games are. And it was. It was 40 minutes for both teams. <clears throat> I don't think either team had an extended stretch of bad basketball in those 40 minutes. And in a weird way throughout that game, and you could probably speak to this as someone that didn't have a subjective yeah. fandom while watching it, but I had this odd comfort that when it came down to it, yeah, I think we're better at home. I think that Illinois is going to get this win, and I never really doubted it. And I don't know why that calm sort of crept in while I was watching that game, but it did feel like from the outset um, you pretty quickly made it uh, clear that you had the energy, you had the focus, yeah. all those things that you worried about. And I thought, you know, they'll be fine. And I, I thought that about five minutes into the game. I don't know if that's because they weren't my... down 15, right? Like yeah. it's amazing how good this team can be when they just don't, they come out with energy and the intensity was there from the tip. But I do have to say this car, this rivalry is something special. I mean, I have been to these last three games in person and I know the crowd wasn't there, but I was giddy watching this college basketball game the entire time because it was two great college basketball teams, older teams that know each other really well. I think both really well coached two programs that are like trying to get in that conversation with, you know, it's been a conference that's been Michigan's Michigan state. Um, you know, you throw Maryland into there. They're trying to get into that upper echelon of this conference. Right. And you could tell they they're fighting for it. And I thought Iowa played really well. And they're out without CJ Frederick. It might be a different game without them. Um, and they play so dang hard. And they're so good offensively. Joe Wieskamp is ridiculous. He's going to be in the NBA shooting threes. Luca Garza, you might hate him, but you, dang it, you respect the guy. How good he's gotten and how hard he works. And I'll say this Fran McCaffrey's so easy to dislike, right? But how good is it to have that guy? Right, he's he's the perfect character in this rivalry. So that's why I was mentioning, like, you know, that post game stuff, there's stuff on the sideline. Yeah, you might it might annoy the hell out of you, but you like that it annoys the hell out of you because it makes it so much easier to hate them. And I love it. I love it for college basketball, and I love that the reason it matters is because both these teams are so good. And it's so much fun to have these border wars. So I just I hope we get more of these games. I know their anxiety. Uh, inducing. I know Iowa's probably going to get the next one, but they're just so good for college basketball. And it's, it's what you'll look back fondly on. And remember, man, I tell you what, kids, when, when I, the 2010s, 2020s, Illinois, Iowa was the thing. And it was so and, fun. And it was good. And it delivered every time. And so quickly, too. If you think yeah. back to 2019, I, I don't even remember what happened that year between Illinois and Iowa. It really just flipped the switch last year, which was Super Bowl Sunday, I think, up in Iowa City which was a good game throughout, and then Iowa kind of stretched it out late. But I think Andres Feliz had a big bucket with about four minutes to go, like a putback or something. You had a lead late in that game, but you let it get away from you. The game on March 8th last year is always going to hold, I think for Illini fans that were there especially, hold a very kind of special place just because that was the last one of its kind. And then everything happened. So there was this full circle nature to settling in Friday night at 8 o'clock, watching Illinois, Iowa, and even though we weren't in the stands, still feeling like, okay, um, it's been a year. Uh, we're getting closer. There were all these weird kind of, uh, I don't know, measuring stick moments when you compared it to what happened last year. But what I love the most about it, 
yes, I, I love hating a team. It's been a while. I don't hate Michigan State. I don't really hate Michigan basketball. Even Ohio State with E.J. Liddell, I don't hate them. I don't have vitriol towards them. I do with Iowa, and that's how it should be, and it's been that way for a long time, and that you have the upper hand in the last three games when this rivalry's really gotten started. After losing to Missouri three years in a row, after seemingly not getting up against E.J. Liddell in Ohio State, it is nice to have one rivalry that you have the upper hand on. And, yeah, I'd like to see these two teams play again. But on the other hand, I don't mind just kind of letting this sit. Two and one, you don't need to – I mean, because you know what would happen if they play in the Big Ten tournament. I think it would just flip, and Iowa would win by four or five points. That's just what this rivalry would be. Yeah, uh, I will root for another one. Uh, let's go. I mean, Big, it would be fun. Big Ten fun. semifinals, Big Ten, Big Ten championship game. How about that? Because I, that's fine. You know what's going to be on the line? Uh, I don't know if a one seed will be on the line or a two seed will be on the line, but that's fun. Like both those teams uh, are going to be in that mix. Um, and and Iowa's got back to back losses here. Most importantly, Carp, you have the tiebreaker on them. Like th- that's a massive game because yes, you got to catch up to Michigan, and that could be very difficult because I think. Michigan, man, like I know we haven't seen them play in a while, but they they just destroy people. Like they they've destroyed people all season until their first loss uh, in the Big Ten play against Minnesota, which was weird. Uh, but otherwise, they're they're just killing teams, including Wisconsin, which doesn't happen that often. So I I think they are legit because they're way better defensively uh, than I thought. But that's going to be a monster game. But you got two huge games uh, coming up here, uh, starting with Indiana on Tuesday. Let's take a quick break, Carp. Because I want to have an Indiana conversation with you um, just about where that program is at. We'll do that next. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Carp, I was thinking about this because Indiana, when they came to Champaign, um, was 5-3, and 0-1, oh and, and then they fell to 0-2, oh but then they won four of their next six, including a game at Iowa, and you're thinking, okay, maybe Archie's team takes this big step forward. Then they lose at home to a Rutgers team that hasn't been very good lately. And, I mean, Archie Miller was a great hire. Like on paper, how many teams were sitting there thinking like, this is our number one guy and he had no interest in leaving Dayton. Uh, But four years into this thing, uh, you know, Illinois is clearly ahead of where Indiana is at. I think Indiana is a tough team. They play good defense, but offensively it's just bad. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Bruce's post, you know, inherited roster days where they're just kind of around this 500 team plays hard. Trace Jackson Davis is a really good talent, but it's getting years upon years now of Indiana just not being great, 
right? And and not being the Indiana basketball we know, like Tom Crean got them to Big Ten championships, but also some really bad years. It was just inconsistent. And he took over a terrible thing with Kelvin Sampson. But it's I'm, I'm surprised Archie hasn't gotten them to a better place. Like they're still on the NCAA tournament bubble. And I thought I thought they'd be back in the mix of being definite like top six Big Ten team. I, I would have thought that. I, I can't figure it out except for maybe a comparison that works here is Nebraska football, Indiana basketball. And you look at the last time that those two programs were relevant nationally. Mike Davis had the run in 2002 to the national title game. I think Frank Solich got Nebraska to a national football or a national uh, mm-hmm. championship game for football. And then the last 20 years, you're essentially wondering, well, what are these programs? And they are living kind of off of their past success, but not doing anything in the present to validate their status. I mean, they are not a blue blood anymore. They don't, scare you when you see them pop up in your schedule they're sort of like uh i don't know i view them similar to like a minnesota and that's not where you want to be i wanted archie miller and when we got brad underwood i thought well that's a cool maybe outside of the box hire but archie miller seemed like the sure thing and for whatever reason it's not translating there despite the fact that he's recruiting pretty well this game on tuesday night is crucial because i view it similar to back in john gross's first year when you beat indiana at home and that was a marquee win that that team needed And then you followed it up with a big win on the road against a pretty good Minnesota team. And it's so important for this Illinois team to not lay an egg on Tuesday night because that wouldn't negate what you did Friday. But it would probably keep you from having that run that you need to solidify the two seed, the three seed, these things that we can actually start talking about again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about stacking wins, right? Which, which by the way, uh, Indiana under Archie is, is under 500, uh, in Big, in Ten, Big Ten play, yeah. So there are a couple games under 500 in Big Ten play, and I don't think he took over a terrible program from Tom Crean. It just it hasn't gone up. Like Tom Crean won two Big Ten titles over his last five years, and I know they missed the NCAA tournament two of those last five years as well. But um, it just yeah they they haven't taken it to that next leather level. And, and Christian Landers playing like he should be in high school senior, right? So maybe that just is, is keeping them from taking the next step. I think they're I think they're a good team that you got to worry about, but I'm just I I, I thought Archie would uh, turn that thing around quicker. But yeah, I mean, last year you had games like this too, right? Carp, you had these big wins, but to make them really count, like after Wisconsin, you got to beat Rutgers and Northwestern at home. And all of a sudden you you turn into this winning streak and you start to peak at the right time. And that's Jacob Grandison and Brad Underwood. We're talking about that today. Um, you know, Tom Izzo, his team usually uh, peaks at the end of the year. I don't know if this Michigan Not State team <laughs> is going to do that. And boy, they could miss the tournament for the first time in a long time. So yeah. could North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, all these teams, um, which is an interesting part of this year. But like you gotta, that's why we're so bought into that Illinois team going into last year. It's like this team's a Sweet 16 team, and we didn't get to see it. No one thinks of that team like, yeah, they would have gotten upset in round one because they were what during the last two months of the year. I mean, they lost five games, one thirteen or twelve, I think. I think they were twelve mm-hmm. and five to end Big Ten play, and they beat Iowa and they won five of their last six going into March Madness. We know that stuff matters. It always matters. And and right now it does feel like if Illinois starts stacking these at a very difficult point in the schedule, um, this team could be very dangerous and, and, again, be everything we thought they could be. Well, other than whoever scores first has the best chance of winning the game, <laughs> my second favorite narrative in sports is the hangover effect. And that can happen after a big game for whoever wins or whoever loses. 
I didn't want to be on the losing side of Friday because I feared what it would do for Tuesday. I mean, among other reasons, I didn't want to lose to Iowa. I thought that would not have played well into Tuesday night's game against Indiana. You got the win. You get three days off. I like that amount of space between the huge game where you know Illinois was up for that. They expended all their energy into it. And then Tuesday night, you go against an Indiana team. I think the timing works out well for it. I think you didn't play one of your best games when Indiana came into town. Their defense has something to do with yeah. it, but I thought Illinois was a little bit out of sorts for a good chunk of that. And just within this last month, you're a different team. And you can say that's because of Grandison, the starting lineup. It's only a couple games in, but I really like that. And the fact that Trent might be your third leading scorer, which we were hoping for coming into this year. This week, I'm actually feeling pretty good about these two matchups. The way Indiana's playing, they weigh an egg just as much as they play a great game. And it seems like they're due for another lackluster performance. I like the matchup. I really like Saturday against Wisconsin, and mm. I feel kind of weird saying that, like I'm going to put a hex on Illinois, but Wisconsin is just these long stretches on offense where they cannot score. Yeah. And you saw Penn State, they upped the pace, they were aggressive, and Wisconsin couldn't answer. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that bodes pretty well for what I think is an athletic Illinois team. Well, here, here's the difference. Like, if you get solid supporting cast play, you got, you got two – you got the two best players on the court. Like maybe not Indiana Trace Jackson Davis is as good as as Kofi and and Iowa, if you want to make that. But like Wisconsin, their their key is depth, right? And they they have the system. They do what they do. They dictate tempo. So you got to be disciplined. Um, Indiana plays great defense. So you got to be disciplined. But you have Kofi Coburn, who yeah, Wisconsin can throw a bunch of guys at. Um, but he's just so dominant. Like if if he can take like he takes over games at certain points, and we know Io does. And Io took over the game right from the jump. And I thought that was so important to have yeah. your star keep you from getting down to a team like Iowa because you can't come back against Iowa. Maybe you can do that against Indiana. I don't think you can do that against Wisconsin. So for him to be locked in from the jump, be aggressive. Plus, I just think. You know, against a team like Wisconsin or like a team like Iowa, Illinois has got a quickness, speed advantage against these teams. So getting up and down the court is as Penn State did against Wisconsin, uh, and if you can do that against Indiana as well, they're they're more athletic. They they can run a little bit if they want to, uh, but they they can't shoot with you. Um, so I think that's Illinois got advantages. Uh, I agree in these next two games, but uh, they have to play discipline to be able to take advantage of those. I got to be honest, I was a little bit concerned about Io going into Friday night because he has sort of fallen into this role as the closer, but not necessarily the guy that starts the game. And if you look at his first half totals, I think the four games prior, I, Derek had tweeted something out. I mean, maybe 16 points combined in the last three or four first halves, not much. And that's fine if other guys are hitting, but it seemed like he was being a little too passive offensively. So to see that aggression early in the game, and that really kind of, I think trickled down to the rest of the guys to see, oh, well, Io came to play. And I think that matters. I think that that sends a message to the other guys on the team that, oh, right, this is a big game. Well, mm -hmm. you do that, and it's easier said than done. Do what you did against Iowa every game, and you're going to win all of them, right? Uh, it's not that easy, but I do think that the carryover effect is going to be defensively. And what I was really encouraged by after, let's say, the first five-minute stretch where I think you were knotted up at like 16-all or 18-all, it was an offensive blitz early. Mm -hmm. That game kind of settled in, and I thought that the Illinois defense in particular, Iowa was not getting a bunch of good looks. Garza had to work really hard. I think he shot under 50% for the game, which is unheard of for him. Uh, th this defense is something that had been the missing ingredient for about the three or four weeks prior, and I'm hoping that between the Penn State game and the Iowa game, that's a new trend, and if so, I think he won both of these games this week based on that, and like you said, the fact he got the two best guys on the court each night. 
it's why I picked Illinois over Iowa in my preseason poll is because I think Iowa's offense, I mean, the numbers prove it. They're elite. They're better than Illinois offensively. But Illinois can play with them offensively. But Illinois' defense is better. And it's consistently better, and it can be elite. Uh, Indiana's defense can be great, top-notch. Their offense at its best level is not near what Illinois is. So that's why I just think Illinois should have an advantage um, going into this game, even as uh, the road team. I I just don't think road matters uh, as much this year without fans uh, in attendance. So, yeah, I think this is a big week, Carp. It's about stacking wins, and if you want to win the Big Ten – uh, to keep up with Michigan, and I don't know how many games Michigan's going to get in. I don't know if the Big Ten's going to change any rule. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're just going to have to have the best winning percentage. Um, they got to keep pace, and uh, that means winning probably your next two games. You know, the timing of this break for Michigan, I don't know what that schedule looked like for them, but the way they were playing, I think they would have just continued to stack wins. And it may be a huge break for Illinois that you get Michigan two weeks off, and then the fact that I think their first game back would be against Illinois yep. next Thursday – I thought rust would maybe play a role for both teams on Friday night. We saw that it didn't. So I think Michigan will be just fine next Thursday if that's the first game they they come back from it. But, you know, there is a difference between 10 days off and 14, 15, 16 days off. So we'll see how Michigan recovers. And, you know, I don't want to yeah, say I don't know how much see. I don't even know how much they're practicing, if at all, Carp. Well, that's the thing. I think yeah. it's all shut down. Yeah. And meanwhile, Illinois is playing simulated games during the right. week. And I know it's not the same, but at least they're staying fresh. And. So there may be an advantage to that. I don't want to, well, I say this, listen, I'll take a Big Ten title however you get it. I've tried to caution myself from it. Uh, but there They're would rare, be... Carp. They're really rare. <laughs> I know I know. in your like, formative years there with Lon Kruger and Bill Self, it wasn't rare. Uh, right. but, but they are rare in the history of the program. Lou Henson knows that. Well, I mean, Iowa, I think, when was the last Big Ten title they won? They showed it sometime on the screen on Friday night, and I think it was, it's been decades. And that shocked me, because I would have thought back in the 80s with Tom Davis or something, or maybe even Steve Alford would have snuck one, though I know he won a couple Big Ten tournaments. But it is a big week. I I think that I had this odd calm, sort of like I did Friday, and maybe that was me trying to caution myself and not get too into the game, because it's easy to do when you play Iowa. I was a raving lunatic (laughs) last March when they came into town, and it was fun. But I decided, all right, I need to take a step back. And then if they win, I'll feel just as good. And if they lose, it won't ruin my weekend, even though it still may have. It would have ruined my weekend. Uh, I love how you tell yourself that, but you know you're not going to follow it. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. I mean, we were elated. I was up until 1 a.m. I couldn't sleep. It was one of those wins. If Illinois had lost by two, like say Grandison just doesn't make that three and they lose by two, like – Think about how different you would have felt. Like it wouldn't have been that big of a difference of how they played, but it's amazing how much different you feel about it. I would have pivoted back to, let's say, the Maryland game. In a weird way, losing to Iowa, let's say he misses that shot, and Iowa just kind of ices the game away with another couple big shots. They make their free throws. Disappointment for that game, not anger for having lost to a really good team, but Mm -hmm. anger for being put in a position where you had to kind of win that game. And the fact that they did, it takes a little bit of that weight off the shoulders, the fan pressure, whatever I talk about. I mean, we felt it going into Friday night because it did feel like this is a game that can kind of chart the course for the rest of the season. All right, one more for you, Carp. We've got one minute left. Uh, Brett Bielma met with us media for the first time since his introductory press conference. I don't know how much you consumed of that. Um but he met with us for like 45 minutes and it just didn't feel like 45 minutes. It went by really quickly. Anything that came out of that or you heard from that that stood out? It's been 
the best first 45 days for an Illinois football coach of my lifetime. Now that's a low bar, of course. I mean, go back to Beckman, not getting, you know, the two coordinators or Ron Zook, I think had Fedora as a coordinator, then he didn't. And that's a low bar, but there's something that tells me, I'm not going to use the word home run higher because you got to see what happens on the field, but I feel like the floor has been raised exponentially here. I, I feel like the, the seasons of two and 10, three and nine, and then no recruiting classes on top of that, it seems like that won't be something we need to worry about. And you couple that with the fact that I have meager expectations for Illinois football. I, I feel like I'm set up to, in a place where I'm just going to be pleasantly surprised. I'm excited. Um, I think that the competency that we're being shown and also the fact that this guy that we were told is brash, yeah. um, difficult to get along with, it's the honeymoon period. But every time he speaks, he says the right things. And in college football, that matters. You need a salesman. You need somebody that you can identify with. And he's the kind of guy that will be perfect at the quarterback club meetings. Yep. will be perfect meeting with donors. And for the fan base in the lots next September, that will be, uh, you'll feel that excitement. Whereas we didn't feel that for a long time. Yeah. I think as you use the word competency, right? He knows how to do this. Like he, and he knows how to do this at the college level. And I think the fact that he's hired a staff of proven college power five assistants and guys who had good jobs already and wanted to come work for him. Like, I think that's, that's proof of that competency and in, in the relationship building uh, that it takes carp. Absolutely. Happy vaccination day. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> for you, man. Uh, yeah. Let me know how it goes. I, you know, I will. I will. There's this weird part of me that hopes that I'm sitting watching TV at night. I'm like, Oh man, my arm hurts and I'm fatigued and it's working. It's working. <laughs> so it's, it is a huge weight off. Have a good rest of your birthday. Thanks, and, brother. uh, I hope for your sake as a, someone that has to cover it. And then for the fans sake as well, you go two and oh this week, things start to get real and that sets up. Think about that Michigan, Michigan next yeah. week. Yeah. That Michigan game huge. will be massive, massive. All right, Carp. We'll talk about it next week, man. Sounds good. We'll see you. All right. See you. Great stuff as always with Michael Carpenter. Mondays with Mike. Always appreciate gauging the temperature of Mike Carpenter. He should feel uh, pretty good today. I would say even more so for the vaccine, but uh, twofold uh, with Illinois' big victory over Iowa. Hope you all are having a great day. Sun is out. Go play in the snow with the kiddos if you have a chance. My kid was loving that the other day. Uh, but we have a full slate of content at Illini Inquirer. I did put up a trending meter today. Just early read on the Illini class of 2022. Uh, not a ton of offers out yet for the staff, though they continue to slowly uh, send those out, uh, especially Wisconsin. They're starting to hit up that area, which shouldn't be a surprise given Bielma and Bart Miller's ties up there. Uh, but but uh, we'll have the latest. I talked with Calvin Hart today. We're talking with transfers throughout the week, including Chase Hayden tomorrow. Prather Hudson uh, is going to talk with us on Thursday. And we got signing day this week, of course. Um, we got two more prep prospects for Illinois so far that we know of, and it sounds like that, that'll that be it. Uh, but two more prep prospects for Illinois that will sign on Wednesday. We'll have the latest on that. And, of course, huge game Tuesday against Indiana for Illinois basketball. We'll have that covered as well. Derek Piper will be in Bloomington, and he and Joey Wagner and myself will all have content there. Uh, and through Wednesday, guys, you can get 60% off an annual VIP pass to Illini Inquirer. That's more than $60 of savings. And uh, per month for your first year, that is less than a cup of Starbucks coffee. So if you needed more of a pitch to try out the VIP access, you can try that as well. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get our podcasts. 
Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.